I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. I have just returned to my big, manly, comfortable black leather papa chair in my living room after a doggone interesting trip to the post office. You know, you always hear about disgruntled postal employees doing something weird or even nasty, you know, like shooting a president. But, but the lady who runs the local post office, we'll call her Mary Pat Susan which is only partly her real name because I don't want her to get in trouble for this in case the NSA or the Lords of the Postal Service are listening and they don't like what she's doing because she's doing a lot more than just running a post office. But I figure if there are disgruntled postal workers, there must be gruntled postal workers, right? Gruntled be the opposite of disgruntled. And Mary Pat Susan must be the queen of the gruntled postal workers. Therefore, every once in a while, I bring her my Gruntled Postal Worker Service Award. Usually some peanuts or M&Ms or a picture of George Clooney. For some reason, she seems to like George Clooney. I have no idea why. Must be his personality. MPS always seems to have the gratitude attitude that I talk about in my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot, available at Amazon.com, which is a shameless plug. Mary Pat Susan is a wonderful, warm, welcoming lady who has become a real friend to my lady wonder wench and me. She's been having a kind of a tough time lately. Mary Pat Susan is a dog lover, big time. And she recently got an Irish setter puppy who has grown in the last few months into a very good-looking young dog. And boy, does he seem to know how good-looking he is, too. He frequently goes to work with Mary Pat Susan, and he has taken to striking a George Clooney-like pose, as if inviting someone to take his picture to put on the next first-class stamp. And every woman who comes into the post office immediately goes over to him, and she starts making mommy sounds that, that often end in, in one of two statements, either, oh, isn't he cute? And there are like three or four U's in the word cute there. And the other statement they make is, oh, look how big he's gotten. Now, Mary Pat Susan calls her dog Shamrock, but I have been trying to get her to change the dog's name to Dick. Because I think the name Dick would put such a different meaning on the women's comments. Like, oh, isn't he cute? Or, look how big he's gotten. Richard. <laughs> like many Louie Louie generation guys, I do lack a certain level of maturity, I guess. Anyway, I told Mary Pat Susan that the dog I had as a kid was a mutt named Whistle, and that he had a flat nose from chasing parked cars. <laughs> and she actually laughed instead of threatening to crush my mailbox. <clears throat> my lady Wonder Wench has been dropping subtle hints about getting a dog lately. Hints like, hey, why don't we get a dog? In fact, there is a chapter in my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot, which is still available at Amazon, which is another shameless plug. Anyway, the chapter is called Dog Gone, 
and it, I think it explains my position on dogs pretty well. On page 52, it says, quote, Now I realize that what I am about to say will put me high up on any decent person's list of surly, soulless scoundrels. But I don't want a dog in my life right now. I also realize that statements like this cause a great many, mostly unnecessary, fatal fights between men and women. And I understand that one of the things my lady wonder wench is thinking right this moment is, if I throw a stick, will he run after it and just keep running? <laughs> Please don't misunderstand. I like dogs. I just don't like dog poop, dog hair, and the dog on hassle of taking walks in the snow, looking for fire hydrants or trees. I'm not really a terrible person for not wanting a dog in my life right now. I may be a terrible person, but not for that reason. I have just been a highly responsible guy all of my life, and now four out of the five voices in my head are telling me that it is time I let the little kid inside me out to play. Just me and my lady wonder witch. Dicks to tails, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's bothering you out the other ear and you can get comfortable again. Gonna do TV stuff tonight. The tax on the supposedly free cars that Oprah Winfrey gave away to the studio audience that day was $7,000. Which is why it is said that some people in the audience said, hey, up Oprah's. According to Johnny Carson, if the answer was rub-a-dub-dub, do you know what the question was? Of course you don't, because I haven't told you yet, but I will in a minute. Eighteen Star Trek conventions are held around the world every year. Of course, that's just this world. And th this is just kind of nice. The inscription on Jackie Gleason's gravestone is, And away we go. Isn't that nice? He's a hugely talented musician, as well as being, of course, a, a world-class comedian. Oh, yeah, according to Johnny Carson, if you're a member of the Louis Louis generation, you remember Johnny Carson, don't you? So, according to Johnny Carson, if the answer is rub-a-dub-dub, the question is, what does a masseuse do to your dub-dub? <laughs> I love that. How about, if the answer is Camelot, the question is, where do Arabs park their camels? I miss Johnny Carson. I think my favorite, though, was um, if the answer is sis, boom, ba, the question is what is the sound an exploding sheep makes? As I said, I miss Mr. Carson. Dicks to tails, they take your mind off your mind. Okay, so how come police dogs don't have to wear a badge? What, are they all undercover police dogs? I don't know. How come cats never have to work? You know, most Louie Louie generation guys don't really care much for cats, but we do get along pretty well with dogs. And proud podcast participant Bruce from Georgia sent me a note and it said, quote, the only circumstances under which it is okay for a man to cry are, number one, when an heroic dog dies to save its master. See that? Whereas number two is when Angelina Jolie starts unbuttoning her blouse. And number three is when wrecking your boss's car. <laughs> I gotta kind of identify with that. <clears throat> you 
You know, and I've often wondered why the Beatles sang, It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. Now, my dog Whistle's workday consisted mostly of just hanging around the house, waiting for me to come home so he could bark at me, and I could take him out to mark his territory on some parked car, which is where he got his flat nose. I'm pretty sure that Whistle kind of considered parking meters to be his personal pay toilets. And, you know, I could never figure out why, when I took him for a ride in the car, he would always stick his head out the window. You know, but then if if you blew in his face, he'd get mad at you. Why is that? You know how you sometimes walk into a room and you kind of forget why you walked in? I, I think that's pretty much how Whistle spent his life. Unlike Whistle, some dogs do work, of course. Firefighters have Dalmatians. I think that's to help them find the fire hydrants. And there are bomb-sniffing dogs. Hey, see one of them running, you better run right along with them. Some dogs, like most poodles, are just for show dogs. You know, they show in shows and and you walk with a poodle down Fifth Avenue in your mink coat. And I've often wondered if, if other dogs look at poodles and think they must be members of some weird religious cult. One of our daughters raised show dogs, and one day, her daughter, our granddaughter Erin, called on the phone, and you could practically see her jumping up and down with all the excitement that uh, only a six-year-old kid can muster. And she screamed, Papa, Nana, we won best bitch! (laughs) Don't you just love seeing little kids so excited that they scream, laughing, and jump up and down, you know? And isn't it just awful that you see a little kid crying you know, quietly. I'm not talking about screaming or pouting. I'm just talking about quietly crying. That's a terrible thing to see. Quite an experience seeing our daughters and, and now our granddaughters growing up and through all of those laughs and tears. When little Erin called, so excited, I couldn't help wonder what my lady wonder wench was like when she was a little six-year-old. Now, there's a story about that in my bedtime story spoken word CD. When you were a little girl, little sadnesses and scraped knees made you cry. A doll's broken arm tumbled from a playground swing. Piece of candy you had to wait until after lunch to eat. And little boys who pulled your pretty brown hair. And then came days of secret tears, sometimes for no reason, just tears in front of a mirror in your room. And that's when songs began to make you cry sad movies and magazines with color pictures and stories about singers and actors and their sunny plastic-coated lives. I think there was a horse in your life right about then, wasn't there? I don't know if you ever really rode him or if you just like to draw his picture and pretend that he carried you away over golden fields, across deep surging rivers and under tall quiet trees. And you cried when slightly bigger boys threw snowballs at you tried to tangle your first home permanent hair. That was about the time when just the right kind of tears won your first high heels and lipstick, and you had to learn to walk and talk all over again. And how could they pass over you for cheerleader then? But they did. And you cried a little different kind of tear. 
Your tears became subtler things, much gentler pink than your cheeks, and very real. You cried for hungry children, cold at Christmas time, and a glance that fell just short of a smile from someone whose eyes were very kind, and over the hurts that a friend endured because she had a different color skin, and the end of school at graduation, the smash of death against someone who grew up with you. But did you cry when I first met you? I wish I knew. I know you cry when the new green south wind brushes your forehead as it clicks the castanets of early spring's sheet-sleathed branches. And I've seen new planets tangle in your eyes when the dancing moon excites you as she sheds her last cloud veil and arches full, naked, and wanton across the purple fur-lined sky. But those were still different tears my fingers found near your ears when I rested my head on your shoulder, and I felt the roses of your warm spring hills blossom on my neck. When I unfastened that scarlet velvet ribbon, and your warm, dark brown hair tumbled its perfume around my face and arms, you were a warm, bubbling spring inside your lips and I drank you full and long and deep. and homemade dresses, as things were tough for her family in those days. She lived in a cold water flat in Boston. Winters are cold in Boston, and the only heat was from the kitchen stove. But anytime she talks about it, she just says, that's the way it was. No tears. But you know, the one memory that still gets her a little misty was that she couldn't swap lunch sandwiches with the other kids in school because she only had butter bread sandwiches and they had you know Swiss cheese or bologna or something like that. Funny, isn't it? Such a long ago little thing can still make a little girl inside her head shed some very big girl tears. The story is called Tears. It's from my Bedtime Stories Spoken Word CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you want a fresh copy, just go back to DickSummer.com. Check out the Bedtime Stories icon on the home page. What Einstein was to physics. What Hank Aaron was to home runs. What Edward G. Robinson was to dying like a dirty rat. That's what Mary Pat Susan is to gruntled postal workers. If you're a member of the Louis Louis generation, you will remember Hank Aaron and Edward G. Robinson and, uh, of course, Einstein. 
I hope you'll remember Mary Pat Susan, too. Mary Pat Susan didn't throw me out when I told her about the cowboy who bought a little dashwin because everybody told him he should get along, little doggy. Or when I tried to get her to change her dog's name to Dick because she understands that my evil mind is my solace forever. She didn't throw me out when I asked her if she had a mutt named Spot and she spilled some spot remover on him. Would he disappear? Huh? She did get a little torqued off at me, though, when I told her I bought my Lady Wonderwench a dog, and she found out it was a mechanical dog that talks, and you don't have to feed it or walk it or take it to the vet. All you have to do is change the batteries. Listen. Hello, super friend. I'm super excited to see you. (laughs) Okay, tell me a joke. Low battery. (laughs) That's a joke? Low battery. Okay, well, he's not that great at telling. All right, all right, already. Mary Pat Susan does a lot more than cancel stamps at her job. She always has hand-drawn pictures of snowmen and sleds on the window at Christmas and lollipops and little games for the kids every day. And a long time ago, She had a warm and welcoming smile for my lady and me when we first moved here and we didn't know anybody. Because of that, suddenly we weren't strangers anymore, you know? And we found out that it was she who put the balloons up in our driveway when my lady came home from the hospital after her terrible accident a few years ago. And I know Mary Pat Susan listens to these podcasts, so I hope this podcast will be just kind of a little surprise for her, you know? I want her to know that she is a lot more special than just being the winner of my silly, gruntled postal workers, peanuts, and M&M's award. Because she's having a tough time right now. And yet there's a funny thing about podcasts. You never know who's listening. I doubt if George Clooney is connected right now. But you know, maybe somebody who knows somebody who knows Mr. Clooney might get in touch with him. Mary Pat Susan's having a tough time right now, I told you. And as as Big Louie always says, hey, you never know when something wonderful is going to happen. So maybe somebody listening could find a way to get George to either drop in on her post office or, or send his limo to pick her up and take her to his private jet to have dinner with him. Who knows? You never know. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths, come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep.